So I do have a important announcement. What? Oh, what? <laughs> Talk, to talking to the market. I don't know where to speak with this market. Yeah. Um, did you know that they're Digimons? That's what they're called, right? Yeah, they're back. Yeah, I've seen um, in JB Hi-Fi yeah. go on pre-sale. Did you yeah. get hooked in? I haven't bought one yet. Okay. Are they only pre-sale? I th- I don't think they're out yet. Okay, that's good. Tam, they pre-sale? You'd know. Yeah. yeah, confirmation. All right. Yeah, because I saw them and I was like, I was actually, um, if Tam hadn't have been absurdly early this morning, I was actually <laughs> going to go buy some um, so we could battle, but. I don't um, even know how Digimon works. So I forgot. You feed, It's like a Tamagotchi, which is yeah. like pre-Digimon. Yeah. That you feed. Oh, mic adjustment. Um, that you feed and then you, but you can battle. So I think they used to like actually physically connect. Okay. So like you plug into each other and then. So now you can, is, can we Bluetooth battle now? I hope so. so. You would think probably not. They're probably still exactly the same thing, but they know that like 29 year old males like yeah. us will go and yeah. buy them. I'd be very interested to see the, um, the line for the pre-sale, like when they pick it up. Yeah. It's like the demographic. Don't think it'll be around the corner <laughs> that line. And yeah, it'll be everyone. Well, you never know, it might be, but it just might be like just the typical type of demo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just quite surprised. A bunch of like that... old, maybe potentially single men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm surprised Tam knows what they are. Because like, did you have Digimon? Was that a thing? Yeah. How old are you, Tam? Really? I am 23. 23. Oh, that's eight years. No, we, I had a, we had them when we were like. What ten years old? Yeah, that was primary honest. school. Yeah, yeah. But if you're something's like last eight years older than Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so he would have been like two. I know. Okay. The first Pokemon movie in theaters. Yeah. I don't know. That's going. I wasn't. I didn't go down. There. I don't think I've seen the. I didn't do the. Have Poke- I seen? I didn't is that do the, the one Pokemon with thing. like? Is it Mew? Or Mewtwo? They fight at the end. Yeah. yeah. Look at me nerding out. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't rate the new Pokemon. Amy plays it. It's like the whole thing about Pokemon used to be that you would battle and then you would get to keep the po- Pokemon that you like fought yeah. in the wild. Now you just throw Pokeballs at it. I'm like, I'm not in. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. As soon as someone said Pokemon, I'm out. So. You didn't do Pokemon when you were younger? Nah, man. It was like Dragon Ball Z. That was it. What did you do just a bunch for the of other like, six months of the year? Just a bunch of like jack dudes fucking yelling and screaming and shit. <laughs> Taking like seven weeks to like power up a fucking <laughs> spirit bomb and shit. <laughs> One person just like standing there in fear for seven weeks. But yeah. that was 7.30 for six months of the year. Then Pokemon yeah. was 7.30 for the uh, rest. I liked uh, Street Sharks, Biker Mice from Mars. Street Sharks. Yeah. Fuck. They were the rollerblade ones, yeah? Yeah, bro. Uh, Biker Mice from Mars, that was the shit. Street Sharks are so old that I used to play with them in the bath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, nah, Pokemon wasn't ever a thing. Yeah, was it Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi-Oh, I got on the tail end because like, I was obviously getting older. Negative. So it was like a, you played with cards and they brought out like monsters. Yeah, it's they, they, it probably just a better version of Pokemon by the sound of it. So. Definitely was a cheap ripoff. I'm going to get so much hate for that. <laughs> it's a cheap ripoff. People are going to find out where Jason best. lives in like Bernie's house down now. <laughs> Have you seen the new Pokemon? No, you're not into it. No. So, no. Yeah, probably should I haven't watched the animated cartoon kind of movie thing for a while. There was Dragon Ball Z out recently too. Yeah, I just can't. Missed it. Can't do it. I don't think I'd pay. I don't want to watch it when I know I got such fond fond memories of it. It's like, you know, when you watch like the first, I don't know, maybe like ten seasons of The Simpsons, like it's just real good. Yeah. And then like the new ones, 
I feel like, you know, you can run out of content after a little while. It's so weird that they, uh, have, they have like smartphones yeah. and shit. Yeah. Like the yeah. kids. And they've weird. changed like, yeah, it's just like a totally different thing. Yeah. So Because it's PC now, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think like, um, we just, I'll just leave it with really fond memories. Yeah. And then just, you know. Like yeah. cartoons. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> footsies. You just touched me. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll get started on the actual. Oh, you want to episode. do the actual stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. We just talk shit for so, about cartoons. STC Fit Learning podcast brought to you by STC Fit Learning Coaching Academy and Mentorship. Um, so whether you're just finished your cert four, looking to get into the industry, um, or you're established, um, but maybe just want to educate yourself on all things across PT, so business coaching, theory, theoretical knowledge, and the practical. Um, then that would be something worth looking into. Just jump on our Instagram um, and hit the lead page. All the details are there, the curriculum, the whole works. Um, we're actually doing the first month at the moment um, for just $2 a day. Mm. Um, you're not locked in. Great value. Basically just come in, see if Jason and I are maybe smarter when we're in a professional capacity than we are when the we're couch. on the couch. With beanies on. Um, suss it out and then, yeah, decide if you want to continue from there. So, for me, if I was looking at the course that we've created in my first couple of years, five years as a PT, I would suggest that I would do it. Yeah, 100%. So we'll suggest that you do it too. Um, also, stcfit.com, online personal training, um, if you're looking for that as well. Did it twice in a row first before the episode. You're a superstar. What a, what a host. I wonder if What like, a host of the podcast. You know, when you listen, I don't know if you even listen to Joe Rogan, but like no. people just like, you just go to like the five minute mark and see if you're still doing the ads. And if he is, you just go a little bit more. And you just wait till you hear the guest and rewind a bit. That's what most people do. <laughs> so that's why we do the banter first and then drop the ad. So you have to Yeah, listen. but now they're going to they're gonna work us out. No, I'm just, like. keep, I'm just going to put it in the middle and shit. I'm just going <laughs> to do random stuff. Eventually, like we start talking about a topic and it's like, hang on a second. Brought to you by stcfit.com. <laughs> that was a nice voice. Maybe you should do it. No. Nah. <laughs> Not doing it. So Not doing it. What we're going to talk about today is the squat. Um, can we manage a whole episode on the squat without a doubt? Certainly can. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, yeah, we've just, I think this is like the fourth evolution of our squat module yep. um, that we use. So we figured we may as well just run through, I guess, where our thoughts and stuff are going at the moment based on the last 12 months working with um, Jordan Shallow and attending his workshop and then applying that into the stuff that we've been doing. Doing lots of squats. For quite a while. And mm-hmm. yeah, obviously more so like I think what's interesting is is a lot of the good quality info out there at the moment is it's put together by guys that are at a level where they typically don't deal with um, – I've been saying Susie Muffin top of late. I've actually got to give credit to Luke Lehman because I got that from him. Um, I've been claiming the laugh, sorry, Luke, but whatever. <laughs> I, was, I always wondered where that came from. Yeah, he uh, came. He he came up with it. I was like, maybe I should change the first name and just nah. It just rolls like, off the tongues yeah. so well. I've actually you've got me saying that shit now. I, I dropped it today for some reason. Yeah, I had a um, like a student shadowing. Yeah, and I said it and like. She said her eyes like light up, like, you can't say that. Like, it's Ken. <laughs> There's no one here called Susie. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's either yeah. Susie or it's Becky. Yeah. Susie's That's, better. 
Yeah. No. Yeah, Becky's like your um, like if you want to make white girl jokes, okay, because you're allowed to. Um, okay. Then you go with Becky. But if yeah, like Susie Muffetop is there. Oh, so Jason's yeah. trying to get out of that one. You can have the shovel. You can have the shovel. And dig your own hole here, bro. <laughs> um. So where were we? Yeah. Yeah. Squats. So talking about the squats. Um. Yeah. Most of the guys that are the putting out info at the moment, where they're working with um intermediate to advanced lifters most of the time. So a lot of the content is coming out around them. So, it's, but it's important to actually step back and look at, okay, so who are in the gyms? Um, so we're talking primarily like your big box health and fitness clubs that are in there trying to learn how to squat and develop the squat and what are the problems they're actually having um, and what are p- problems are PTs having um, when trying to teach those people how to squat as well? Yeah. Because it's probably, I think most people... A lot more people are scared of the deadlift than are scared of the squat in terms of PTs. So they're less likely to prescribe them to clients. As in they're less likely to prescribe deadlifts? Yeah. Yeah. So you see less bad deadlifts in the gym than you do squats. I didn't say you don't see them. You said you see less. Yeah, I feel like um, the magnitude though like evens out. Because it's so dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Like fucking banana back. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, banana lumber back. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just yeah, they level out just that one. It just takes that one deadlift, and you're like, Ooh. yeah, because it's like a quarter squat is bad. Yeah, but, but like, it's only a quarter. Someone about to break in half is worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, put your goggles on. Vertebrae is about to go everywhere. <laughs> Bring your hockey masks. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess we're gonna start um from the bottom and just kind of. Something to remember is if we use that Susie Muffin Top analogy again, um, which is who a lot of, I think if we look across our clientele, across all the, the STC fit trainers, um, a lot of, a high percentage are um, mums that are maybe getting into the gym for the first time after they've had kids or they've done a little bit before, but not much. And just the amount of, um, athletic participation they've had throughout their adult life is usually really low. Um, so I speak to, like, I've got a couple of my clients and it's like, okay, so what what did you do in high school? And it's like, well, like in primary school, the girls tend to get more involved with the sport and you play Tiggy and all that kind of stuff and you're still really active. Do you remember Tiggy? Do you, have, do you call it something yeah. else? No, no, just like... I just expected you to say that. It's just something that Ben would say. Yeah. Okay. It's just a real Ben comment. A Ben comment. Isn't the right. new agree, Tam? That's the thing. It's like, we're going to play Tiggy. <laughs> cool. Um, Proceed. But then once you get to high school, it just seemed like was less socially acceptable um, for that. And yes. then it kind of became only the boys did, if at all. And then progressed through, maybe they played netball and then it kind of drops away. Um, that's a very stereotypical and like broad view, but there's a lot of those people that haven't actually done much activity maybe since year seven, which is what, like 12, 13. Yep. Who are then coming into gyms and we're going, yeah, we're going to throw a barbell on your back and ask you to squat and that'll be fine. Cause mm. it's a, it's a normal human pattern. It's like, yeah, it's not if you haven't done it for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So 
starting from the absolute basics, um, the unwillingness for personal trainers to just get a client with just body weight to squat to a bench is mm. almost staggering, to be honest. It's like, even if you've got someone who is strong, like get them to do a body weight squat, see how they move. Yeah, I think um, one of the one of the biggest things is probably the coach or the PT just not understanding like where the client's at and just using their own experiences and their own um, level of expertise or you know skill set in the movement as like a good base. Like just because a coach is proficient in a movement doesn't mean that you know every person that they walk in with is going to have that same proficiency. So. Yeah. You know they they like they'll have these preconceived ideas where it's like oh you can't you can't just do a body weight squat yeah like we have to add weight and shit and it's like you need to strip that shit down man like yeah. you know put yourself back in the shoes of the client just seeing like where they're at at that given time and even like I've got people who um are still you know really good squatters and like we still body weight squat and shit like yeah it's like the it's the the rawest form of the movement everything else is that you're adding things on top of it so it's like we just need to make sure that we're revisiting that primal foundational pattern yeah without any extra stimulus being the weight wherever it is front back yeah in either hand yeah um and just seeing if they they still got that proficiency because start chucking on ridiculous amounts of weight not visiting those the, those foundations like you just, just it is a recipe for disaster yeah 100% and I think too like it may come from a bit of a position of fear of like I've only got X amount of time so typically this is going to happen in either like the first session or um, when you're doing like your sales session I guess where you're trying to show the client what you're capable of and what you can do and you want to get across that you're um, worth their time, energy, and money. So we want to get you under a bar and show you that you can back squat and make you feel like you've had a great workout, blah, blah, blah. And then that would also, for a lot of PTs, actually carry on into their week-to-week programming as well. It's like every session's kind of a sell of making sure that the they client gets what they want and they come back next week. So just something to consider is like if you're proficient in – in the stuff that we're going to talk about and you're looking at the right things. Just as an example, if you have, there are still people out there who believe in the idea of shoulder width apart, feet parallel, um, knees can't come over the toes, squat. Like yes. that old school textbook that was never a textbook. I don't know what textbook it was in. But a lot of people still think that that's how you have to squat. So if you're the PT that comes in and they've had a PT before and they've never been able to squat and it feels uncomfortable and awkward and crap and whatever, and you um, take their stance half a foot wider, turn their toes out a little bit, allow them to hip hinge more because they've got, say they've got long femurs or something like that. And they drop into a squat comfortably for the first time ever. It's like, oh my God, I can squat. I've been told yeah. for so long I can't you're squat. A yeah, like how do you look to that client? Yeah. So that's, it's definitely something to keep in mind and people are aware of that. I've actually landed clients specifically from that. I've just had people tell me that like, oh, I've been told I can't squat. I'm like, what, what do you mean you can't squat? Why? Like, oh, I'm just not put together to squat. Like, it's a very rare case yeah. that someone's 
so disproportionate that they can't squat. I got a I got a client who can't squat. Yeah. Yeah. Based, <clears throat> do you mind sharing? But yeah, so um, long femurs mm-hmm. and natural valgus posture of the hip. So yeah. the knees are internally rotated naturally. Yeah. So put that with long femurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's not a lot of room to work with. So does she can't make depth or? Yeah. Because if, if you have a natural valgus, you're fighting to op- open up an external rotation to open up the hip is the challenge. Yeah. And it's not there. Yeah. Because structurally, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And then long femurs means that you need to shift back, yeah, which means the body point. tips over. Yeah. So a normal squat turns into a conventional deadlift at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and it's like even a heel, heel hike, or um, you know some uh, mobs and stuff through the ankles, just yeah, and it's fun. I just it's like yeah, cool. Let's just leg press, and it's yeah. like we're not the goal's not how much can I squat. Yeah, like it's weight management yeah. and general overall fitness. Yeah, so it's like cool. We just use um other other movements for markers of strength. Yeah, and like they can still she can she can still goblet squat and. You know, check the safety bar on and stuff like that. But it's like at all times, like I still have to be very mindful that that natural valgus posture and those long femurs are going to tip that person over. And, and, you know, loading, sheer force load on the body is, is the issue that needs to be considered. Yeah. So like if she can safety safety bar squat, like it's kind of... Heels, heels have to be heavily elevated. Yeah, so. heels elevated, safe squat. It's just like the risk yeah. of, to the reward though. Like, you know, just draw a line in the sand and just laying like, yeah, but on the flip side of that, like fucking mad deadlifts. Yeah. Because it's like yeah, all yeah. hips, like sumo stance. Yeah. Like kind of steps wide and just Boom. goes fucking whack, yeah. you know? So just take the good, just got to take the good with the bad sometimes. Yeah. You know? Have you tried like that sumo stance in a squat? Uh, yeah, but- Like an absurdly wide. Yeah, but um, the- the it's just too much like we got limited external rotation mildly kyphotic posture yeah like there's just the dominoes are too wide yeah so it's like if she came in and like 100% wanted to be a power lifter you could probably make it work but she doesn't so why yeah like to meet yeah to meet um the low bar that would need for to put the bar down the body to you know hip hinge squat um we don't have the external rotation to meet that Mm -hmm. so it's like just find another squat and just find another way to load the lower body. Like we're yeah. never, you never, we're never approaching a client going, you know, we have to squat. Like even one of my other clients can't, I don't know, deadlift. Yeah. Like the, the amount of people that I've spoken to where they have deadlift and lower back injury, like in the same sentence, yeah. it's just like, um, and they don't know how or why it happened. It's like, you just didn't get taught well. Yeah. Um, or you just weren't strong enough to deal with the injury and bounce back from it. Cause like even I've had my back deadlifting and I'm, I would like to think I'm not too bad at it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and it's like just that deconstructing those preconceived ideas that like you have to do movements. Yeah. Like the only reason you'd have to do something is if you, that's what you wanted to do. Like if you're powerlifting yeah, or whatever, it's like not to bring it back to powerlifting, but um, <laughs> it's quite, you know, if you, if you're getting, um, 
you know, graded or marked or whatever on your squat, bench and deadlift, then that's fine. But if it's just general body composition, um, weight management, health, all those kind of things. It's actually part of my identity, Jason. It's, um, yeah, well, you, <laughs> if you're Ben Squat, Ben Squat. Ben Squat. <laughs> ben Squat SC. <laughs> oh, it's so lame. Um, I, didn't even want to, I didn't even want to go there and it just went there. Oh, Benjamin Squat. <laughs> anyway, um. If you're not like Ben and attaches your identity to how you move <laughs> in the squat bench deadlift. Just to be clear, um, I do not. It's just it's just stimuli from training yeah. on your body that you can replicate in other movements or you know, maybe one movement or two. Yeah. And it's like you got someone who's good at coaching, understands training and exercise and stuff. Um, they can put together a program to work around those limitations and still move you to the goalposts. Would getting to the goalposts be faster if you could do those movements, perhaps? But even then, like just don't know so you yeah. don't want to ever build a a mindset where um you know the there's these movements that like they're the gold standard and everyone has to do them and you know it's like because they're compound they're so good yeah um because you know context is is absolutely everything and you know sometimes people can perform a, a leg press much more proficiently than they can perform a squat and it's like still working their legs and still extension of the knee yeah um and mild extension of the hip so is that going to be just as good yeah. yeah. So we had a question on the the Instagrams during the week because um, we had a video go up about this stuff and ooh, we're playing for this again. Stop touching my feet. <laughs> um, it was it was along the lines of like considering orthopometric profiling, which is a word I can't say. Um, and orthopediatric? No. Yeah. Orthopometric. Yeah, right. Okay. I don't even know Ortho- what that yeah. is. Yeah, right. uh, so it's basically refers to your structure. So like um, the makeup, it, the word itself refers to the makeup of something. So for the human body, it, like your client that's got um, valgus posture, um, long femurs, like you can't change that shit. No. Nah. So that's like your orthopometric profile is like how, how you are designed. People tend to, that have learned a little bit, um, enough to know that phrase um, tend to start to get into a trap of like decide or thinking that your function is the same as your structure and it's not. So don't get caught in the trap where it's like, okay, just because they can't do something now doesn't mean they're not built to be able to do it. Um, and this, the whole purpose of eventually when we get back on, on topic, um, the whole purpose of this is to, as a personal trainer, this is my personal feelings and Jace can tell me whether he agrees or not, is your, you don't need to squat necessarily to get an outcome. But I think if it's in your power to take someone from base levels to a point where they can squat, then you should be endeavoring to do so. But for the client, the goal is always to get their primary outcome. So primary outcomes that we work with are typically going to be fat loss is probably the most common. Strength and performance is growing. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm skewed with that because that's who I work with. Hypertrophy um, is also in there as well. So they're the main four that you're going to get. Then you'll get, general health and fitness stuff which we tend to not attract they're like in the group classes and doing fun runs and weird shit like that yeah. Yeah. um 
So they're the, the main four primary goals. So if your goal is fat loss, you should be giving a client a workout that's going to physically and psychological, psychologically give them that outcome. So they're going to physically need to move and burn calories. Yep. They're also going to need to psychologically feel like they're making progress. If they don't, then they're not going to be adhering in other areas and probably just drop off. So bringing some, the, the point I'm trying to make there is like, if you bring someone in and spend 30 minutes doing an assessment on them and trying to think, fix their ankle mobility, because yeah, they need to squat, they don't give a shit. They're there to lose weight. Yeah. So if they walk out the door feeling like they've done nothing and all you did was like put a band around their ankle, they're cool, bro. Like, yeah. Um, so just a, it's a trap that I think trainers with some education end up in. They start to forget the primary outcome that they're trying to achieve um, and then end up focused on this cool shit that's a secondary yeah. outcome. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to get buy-in because you know, buy-in's uh, really important, especially at the start for the client, Yeah, um, which adds to the value and makes the, the idea of having a trainer um, more important. Yeah. You need to probably more consider like what's the behavior? How do I get client buy-in? Like playing around with their fucking ankles not really going to get you know Susie muffin top like you know, yeah to sign up for two sessions a week for x amount of time to yeah. get it to make to allow her to lose 10 15 kilos yeah um, or stay and then want to get a result and do all the yeah. other stuff you ask her to yeah like just because it's important just because you've identified it as something that's you know quote unquote dysfunctional doesn't mean that the person can't work around that yeah um to or work towards their goals um and address it at the same time so that's Use that as, as like, and I'm being assumptive here, like the client that you've got who can't barbell back squat. Um, I would imagine at the start, probably a safety squat bar was out of the question as well. Maybe looking at like yeah. squats and benches and goblet squats and stuff and then progress from there. Yeah, we can, you can still squat, just not. Like yeah, but I'm, I'm curious whether you Beyond six. I'm curious Below whether six. you've progressed her to the point that she can do that. Uh, two squats. Yeah, to the point that she can get under a safety bar and squat comfortably, or did she um, walk in being able to do that? I don't actually remember, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I know I changed a lot of things. Like we can went you pretend from, so my story's better. We just went from like conventional to sumo and deadlift because it's just like it's like you wonder where your back hurts. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, like squ- even squatting as well. It's like I don't know if we should squat below five. Just yeah. It's just, it's a situation where you are ramming a square peg in a red hole. Like I can't describe it any yep. better than that. It's like, yep. you know, there's been instances in the past where I'm like, yeah, cool. It's like limited um, external rotation of the shoulder, like maybe limited, you know, thoracic extension or, you know, there's a block in the ankle or whatever. And those things can be rectified. Yep. Like, man, we do single leg RDLs with hip airplanes. We do, we do um, ankle work, distractions in the hip. Um yep. You know, we've worked on core strength. Like it is 100% yep. just a structural anomaly that doesn't add up to squat. What's up, bro? Anthropometric. Anthropometric. Pometric. Ooh, that's the word of the day. So co- correct my... Anthro... Anthropometric. Thank you, Tam. So, so considering considering my client's anthropometric profile yes um i just make a intuitive judgment call that yes we can still squat because like 
if you have natural valgus posture, it's like that NSAID thing, yeah? It's like, um, yeah. you know, on specific adaptation to imposed demand. Is, yeah. So, no, specific. Said, ad- just yeah. said. Sorry, yeah. NSAID's non-steroidal anti-inflammatory Correct. drugs. Yes. <laughs> We're doing really well with language today. <laughs> <laughs> so, not talking about those. So, the talking said principle the is said specific principle, yeah, adaptation to, to imposed demand. demand. So, if you've yeah. got natural valgus posture, then like your your body has worked out how to move and stuff in that position. Mm-hmm. So... I've also got to consider taking them, like how would I endeavor to potentially manipulate that their, their structure, the way they move and stuff. So yep. in this situation, like this person can still squat. It's yep. just like when you look at sheer force in the bottom of the squat where there's going to be the most amount. Yeah. So you just got to make a judgment call, man. It's like at, at you know, an 8RM, the weight's not heavy enough to cause yeah. a lot of issues if we're you know get hurt. got yeah. good pressure in the midsection you yeah. know we're doing all the one percenters but it's just like once if we ever went to say fives it's like we're running the risk and then mm. i'm you know i'm just like what's the goal yeah like what is the goal at the end of the day what's the one thing that's motivating this person to come in yeah and it's weight management and it's like cool so how much weight have we lost from you know it's like 10 15 kilos i'm like cool like, yeah you know let's keep doing that yeah um, and then just finding another thing that, you know, creates those psychological wins, which is, you know, she's good at deadlifting. So yeah. I'm like, cool, let's just Do hone that. in on that yeah. and, you know, make sure the rest of the program obviously facilitates what it needs to. Mm. But it's just like setting up those psychological wins with other things. And I've never put the back squat or the squat on a pedestal for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Like only do it, I only put the movements on a pedestal for the people that need it. And they're the powerlifters that we work with. Yeah. Everyone else, even my physique guys like oh, and girls, they're like, oh, I need a deadlift. I'm like, why? Yeah. And they're like, because that's what everyone does. And I'm like, they don't actually. Mm. I'm like, they might do it for a block in off season. It's like, you know, what about when you got low calories and we're doing yeah. lots of volume and rah, rah, rah. Yeah. It's like a stimulus on the muscle. Muscle doesn't know what, mu- what exercise you're doing. So there's just considerations that we need to think about there. Yeah. But if the person can score and there's something you can deal with, then you need to take take that into consideration, like of how you move that person towards the gold standard, which would be the barbell back squat. Would you say like what would the gold standard squat be? Because like I feel like right. that's what the problem is. People don't know where to start. They don't know where to finish. Yeah, they so don't know where the person I guess sits the, in the continuum. The gold standard for me would be a would be competency in both the high bar and the low bar, because some people are built to low bar, so setting that as a gold standard <clears throat> wouldn't necessarily make it the gold standard. So would you not a high bar would be challenging for them. So is it, but would they both fall under like just the back squat though? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause like, I don't, I don't have to low bar. I don't rate the overhead. So the overhead squat. Yeah. Like why to so someone asked a question about that. Yeah. It's during the week. During the week. Yeah. So, um, the overhead squat, like I just, I know, I know like addressing, is it a pull check thing? I have no idea, but I, kn- I know that people use it to just assess like, you know, how people move. Yeah. It's like, so let's Which just see how much sense, shoulder flexion yeah. they've got yeah. above head and how much thoracic extension they've got and their ability to squat. But it's like, if you look at that, you make assumptions about how someone moves just off that one thing. And it's, I just think if you're not trying to be proficient in yeah. overhead squatting, then you need to, you could just break those down and do them separately. It's just such a huge skill element involved that 
it's useless in my opinion. Like how many times, so say a single leg RDL, right, that we use as a bit of a, a gatekeeper exercise often. So how often have you told someone to set up and do a single leg RDL? They do it and they look shit and they fall over. And you're like, no, no, no. So pull your lats down, brace breath, squeeze your glute, now do it. And they go over and all of a sudden they can complete the exercise really easily. So then take that same principle to an overhead squat. It's like, okay, so you've got to be thinking about every step of a very highly skilled demand exercise from the floor up, maybe in a beginner to intermediate lifter who's never trained it before, never practiced it before, and you're going to make judgment calls based on their ability to move. Maybe just because the fact that the skill's hard. Yes, hold a broomstick above their head. Yeah, position. like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that I can, maybe my shoulder and thoracic range would prevent me for getting a bar behind my head enough to overhead squat. But Just every other thinking part, about it hurts my feelings. Every other part of that movement I I'm pretty confident I'd be proficient in. But if we went to the gym right now, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Cause like it would take it would like I probably could get there in half an hour from practicing it. But it's like, am I gonna make decisions on my the way I move from that? Like no. Yeah. Um yeah, so coming back to where I was, I was going before, because um, we went in a totally different direction, but that's cool. It is understanding that, so we, we talked about the primary goal being the focus, and then your goal should be a, improving the function of the individual along the way, whether they notice it or not. So we talked about like... Um, we talked about this last week while we we're doing the filming. It's just like maybe for a fat loss client, if you want to increase ankle mobility, unless they've got something that's like substantial, like your ankles just mung. <laughs> it's just in it. Yeah, it's just no good. Um, but if you've got someone who's just got genuinely tightness and poor range of motion through the ankle, would a forward a knee progression lunge challenge that? And if you cued heel down, and you repeatedly did three to four sets of walking lunges with good control every week and maybe a closer, lower position on a leg press would also challenge that. Whatever squat pattern you choose is going to challenge that. Um, maybe you add some calves to the the end oh, of a yeah, workout to try and move through range of motion. Or get like, your calves if you've been. Yeah, that's, I've given up on that dream. <laughs> Um, I just keep getting a bigger head. My calves don't grow. <laughs> for every, so, for every uh, set of curls, you have to do a set of calf presses. Yeah. I read that. Where did I read that? I read that yesterday. Yeah. Isn't that Arnie's thing that your calves have to be the same? I think it was uh, your arms? Uh, Charles Poliquin, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so there you go. Cool story. Cool story. Yeah. So just coming back to that, like that facilitates the issue at the ankle, like improving that but it also gives the client what they want. Yeah. And I think we get caught up in this like fucking sexy world of listening and watching powerlifters on the internet and all these troubleshooting things. People just don't care. And like I've actually done it in, in the past. I went and did a really expensive course and learned how to do this cool assessment thing. Um, my close ratio in the gym at the time was probably 80%. So 80% of people I sat down with would work with me. Um, 
then I was like, well, I'm fucking like so smart now that I know all this biomechanic anthropometric profile. Biomechanical expert. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'll just do testing for my consults and I'll tell my clients like what they need, what they need to work on yeah. um, and how amazing I am and the fact that I can fix them. And it went to like my clothes and dropped to like 50%. People mm-hmm. just didn't give a shit. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to roll around on the floor and do testing for at half an hour. I yeah, came because I want you to improve my body composition. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, okay. I'll just go back to doing what I used to do with that knowledge. Watch how you move and adjust programming or exercise execution to work on those dysfunctions over time. Yep. I agree with that. Good. Um, maybe we should, uh, like what would be the, what would be acceptable to be caught, to call a squat a squat? Sometimes like, All right, sometimes right. so I feel like, um, that's before you move on. No, the very, I want to move on. The very first thing that we have to say after that. Well, yeah, fuck it. You have to break 90. Yeah. So I feel like. People don't either. People don't know what makes the squat a squat, mm-hmm. or they don't fucking care. Because I'm fucking sick to death of seeing like shallow ass squats and people getting pats on the fucking back, high fives and shit for the stuff that's not being correctly done. So it's like now it's like making an omelet and it turns into fucking scrambled eggs. Yeah, it's like that's not a fucking omelet, man. It's like. Yeah. So it's, it's not a squat. Yeah. Now like, that the. Oh, <laughs> hey, look at him go. Unless you're a skater. Isn't it? Was it a skater? You know how they don't fully squat so they can quarter squat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? But it has to be. I, I skated, split, yeah. But they can only. It's split squat though. That they but didn't. Split. No, isn't that. That was their theory. That was the theory. And then Charles went and got them all doing full squats and they won. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Jay, Jay, I don't know about that. There's a, uh, did they? Did they? Did everyone just <laughs> smell that air of suspicion? <laughs> anyway, moving it's on. Just the squats that it's made not, them win. Let's not speak ill of the dead. Um, yeah, you're get assassinated, man. <laughs> <laughs> These hired goons are going to be knocking on the door. <laughs> Fucking hell! But yeah, it's like one of my. It, it was about really, six people that got that joke. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it really pisses me off though when I see. That like I had a conversation with my client yesterday. Like he had a break, and he came back, and we went back to the foundations program before the strength block. Yeah, and then we yeah we do the peak and stuff. Um, and you know we put I was like assessed I I did this I assessed his body weight squat, told him this is where the bar needs to sit. Let's put it there, you know, and we went from there. And it was like we we went up in weight, and then we went back in weight. And he's like, so what do you think? And I was like, oh, this this and that. Uh, and he said something. I said, "Mate, I'm not afraid to tell you mm. that the weight, like, to drop the weight. I'm not yeah. afraid to tell you that that squat's not acceptable." Yeah. And he was just like, "Yeah, it's good." Yeah. He's, you know, and he didn't even bat an eyelid. And yeah. I was like, "You need to, like, people need to forget, like, or just like throw in the bin that if you tell someone that what they're doing is not quite right, that they're gonna fucking hate you for it. That's or some why shit. they're paying you. Yeah. It's like think about why they're there. Yeah. You can." They'll appreciate it more if you can actually give a shit about their joints and yeah. their results by going, oh, look, this, this, this and that. Let's bring it back. Yeah. Rather than just like 
slamming on fucking five kilos or 10 kilos when they already shallow squatted the set before and then go on fist bump high fives for a fucking PB. Yeah. So like a quarter squat PB doesn't count, man. Yeah. So I think the, the message there is like your aim should always be for a full depth squat. A full depth squat means that the hip crease is below the knee. If you are higher than that for any reason, it's not a celebratory event. Yeah, find Don't out. Don't put what it on fucking Instagram or yeah. fist bump or cuddle about it. It's like, okay, we've either overshot the weight or we're still working on depth. We're finding something like strength my, control. Yeah, my personal approach to that would be if you can't break depth, then you should be squatting to a box that challenges slightly challenges your available range of motion at that time. So whether that be from a confidence standpoint or strength control, like you mentioned, is the most common one, I think. It's like they just, they're not confident in the hole and they start thinking about other shit so they don't have that tight brace and intention that they need in the hole. Or they just don't know how far is depth like yeah a client he's like oh fuck that felt like i was moving really far and i'm like yeah but you're six foot three mate yeah it is a long way it's a long way bro it's a lot of work that you got to do but we ain't there yet yeah so what i would be doing is like finding where their range is and maybe challenging them by one to two inches with a box and it's like you have to get to the box Mm. and then rebrace get tight produce force and stand up yeah the weight's going to go down but again coming back to the primary goal does my client still feel like they've got a tough workout in? Yes. Are they still going to be able to progressively overload? Yes. Am I behind the scenes addressing their range of motion and their ability to squat? Yes. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. All those things are moving. And that's just like one thing that I've just, as I was saying out loud, like how would I troubleshoot that? But the main message is like, don't celebrate anything that's above parallel as amazing like acknowledge that it's above and we need to troubleshoot that. Yeah, because then you, you're, you're breeding a culture of subpar movement, which is a reflection of you. Yeah. Like if I go around high-fiving people for doing things that aren't what they're supposed to be, like that's on me, man. Yeah, so a big thing that you need to understand, particularly with social media culture too, if you're a personal trainer that's trying to make it in a gym, that shit matters. People see it. And people know now. Yeah, It's not like five years yeah, ago yeah. when you people could do corner squats. Yeah. It was like you, you heard about, used to hear about like gyms that everyone squats shallow there because like some other gym they didn't. Now it's like everyone fucking knows from everywhere. Hmm. So like Susan Muffy, Susie, the Susan Muffy. Muffin Top now even knows that like- Got married to Susan Muffy. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a shit squat. Like yeah. um, if my clients that- don't even care about exercise. Yeah. That's is why that they right? pay a personal trainer. They're yeah. like, that doesn't look right. Yeah. Is like, that most of mine go, is that right? And I'm like, what do you think? That's yeah. what I say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting involved in that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not to be arrogant or anything like that. It's Oops, just like, certainly not. You, I, that is the movement. The movement should be below parallel and you should be troubleshooting it if it's not. Yep. So we're going to move on now, I think to um, the progressions that we like to use, we'll try and spit them out quickly. Um, And with this in mind that you shouldn't be moving to the next progression until you can hit the required depth. 
And if you can't, then add the box as like an in-between step yep. would be my way of approaching it. So first off, we talked about, so squat to a bench. Can they get to a bench that's below parallel? Um, can they get comfortable, maintain? We talk about reference lines. So we look at um, ankle to knee. So what's happening when we look at that line? We yep. want to look at that from multiple directions. So front on, side on, and typically if you can from the back as well, just be careful if you're a, a male training females in that situation. Um, just make it clear <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> Personal um, space is everything, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we're from there, we're looking at knee to hip. So what's going on there? So Jace's um, Belgus client, we're going to see some um, knees falling in, that yep. type of stuff in, in that reference line. Same thing though, we need to look at each angle and we need to compare side to side. So if you're looking at that from the back, we're going to see maybe hip shifting to one side or... Um, weird stuff like that starting to show yep. up if we're looking at that reference line. From there, we go to hip to shoulder line. So it's basically just integrity of the spine. Yep. Um, whether or not... Now, this is an interesting one. We we'll, we'll, might dive into this in a second. Um, so what we're looking at is basically to stay in the same position throughout the lift. Yep. Now, I wanted to... We mentioned earlier the said principle. So specific adaptation to imposed demand. Now I have a client who has um, kyphotic posture um, that's kind of stagnated in its progress. So she squats with a kyphotic thoracic. It creates no pain. Um, she squats below parallel. She can squat body weight. Everything from the outside looks pretty good, but walking past, you'd be like, oh, that it just looks uncomfortable. Um, but for her, it's not. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, or considerations? I have a feeling you'll say the same thing as what I do, but I'm just curious. Um, does it cause any pain anyway? No. I don't think it is a problem. Sweet. So the only, the only consideration I apply to it, and it, it applies to her because her, her goal isn't necessarily to be super strong. Uh, it's a high bar position. Yeah, I'd just be more concerned, like just elbows and wrists, and yeah, like just getting that external rotation. Like I, I don't think the squatting in general is an issue. Yeah, it's just like if that if there's any transient, um, you know, discomfort somewhere else from meeting the demand of the movement. Yeah, and that's, it. if not, it's all good. I treat it exactly the same as your client. It's just like we just don't go below five. Yeah. Like, a, we don't need to because it's not the goal she's after. She wants body composition and general strength. Yeah. Like GPP, not like be able to do a heavy double. Mm. She doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, we've tried it with deadlifts and stuff. She just doesn't enjoy lifting huge ass weights. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like it's oh, so much fun. Yeah. It's like getting under a, a really big weight in that position. If it's already compromised, maybe it increases the risk to reward ratio a little bit. If she really wanted to be a powerlifter, I'd just be putting in heaps of work to make it really strong and stable. Uh, but she doesn't, so it's just like, cool, we'll just stay in this rep range. Yeah, the fine. other end of the spectrum example for me is like making an overweight, of overweight person do like box jumps. Yeah. It's like, you don't need to do that to drive weight loss. Like yeah. you don't need to make someone squat really fucking heavy if yeah. they've got these anthropometric abnormalities or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like- All the big words. Move them. Yeah, it's like move them to- I've got, the old tick of approval from 10 then. Yeah. Um, 
all these things are not the major components moving someone to the goalpost. Yeah. So it's like address the goal and work around it. If they're proficient in squat bench and deadlift, go for it. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, just I I really think a lot of this stuff just comes from these like ideals and things that trainers have before they even sit mm. down with a client, and it's like everyone has to squat bench. Yeah. Deadlift. Yeah. And it's like even in the course sometimes like. Or even who's delivering the course or whatever. Like, there's if there's any form of bias being developed, yeah, then the the likelihood of them that bias getting pushed onto the client is is huge. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I'm always yeah. You know, obviously, the older I've gotten and the more educated we've become, and obviously now we're in a situation where we're imparting knowledge onto other people. The less I've had to become less biased. I've yeah. developed an unbiased opinion on a lot of things now. Yeah. Um, I like to just sit on the fence and always like go, oh, why, what could be a benefit of this or what could be a, within yeah. reason, of course, you know? Yeah. Um, and the squat and like movement is one of those. Like movement yeah. should be an unbiased thing because we, st- all three of us in this room stand next to each other. Like we all move differently. Yeah, exactly. So like yeah. it's, it makes perfect just sense. Just because I'm the tallest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say I'm the strongest anymore. <laughs> So we've looked at hip to shoulder. Now we want to go shoulder to head. So see what the neck's doing. Um, then we want to go shoulder to elbow or shoulder to wrist. Um, I, for squats, I like to look shoulder to elbow and elbow to wrist just to see what is happening. Did you see um, the Squat University post with the baby again came out? No, nah, The baby one? No. Nah. It's like I was so tempted to comment on it. Nah. And it's just like, why do we, why can we squat like this and why can't we now? It's like maybe that baby doesn't have kneecaps possibly. Yeah. Like, and and has a big ass fucking head. Yeah. He's doing a counterbalance <laughs> squat because his head. Maybe I can squat like that. It's like, look at the size this of that baby's noggin. head compared to its body, bro. <laughs> like, I was like, I'd be pretty good. Maybe that's why you got better at squatting. Maybe. Your fucking head's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh Jesus! More eight hundred gram carbs. Yeah, As I sit yeah. here and drink like oh juice. man, how funny was that when you were like, uh, I, like I don't think like I my face has changed that much eating all this food, and then like that picture you put up, it's like yeah, uh, yeah, what did you say? a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like all the all the carbs have gone to your cheeks. It's funny. I made it um a bit had a bit of a laugh on Instagram. This block of training I've gone on to is um, obviously hypertrophy focus, way off tangent, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and I put up on Instagram, like me, um, hire a coach based on their results, knowledge and coaching ability, yeah. not based on how they look. Also me gets a program from Will Crozier. Man, I'm going to get the biggest traps. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, I'm, I think I'm like on my fourth week now. And I'm noticing like my shirts are actually tight around my neck. Oh, no. And I'm like, ooh, or maybe I am really getting real crazy traps. <laughs> um, I think I've got a few years of work to do yeah, before I, I get to that to level. There, bro. Um, maybe I'd have to, I think I'd have to like regress in life and start training earlier to ever get yeah, close just, to you, that. You should have been a bodybuilder, bro. Yeah. I, I, I was a hobby builder for eight years or whatever. Anyways, so we've looked at the reference lines. Um, if you're able to keep up with them, good job. Because <laughs> we jumped around a little bit. So now we want to look at the progression. So we're doing the squat to the bench or box, making sure we're breaking parallel first, looking at all those reference lines. We're happy with the reference lines. Sweet. We move on to remove the box or the bench, body weight squat, 
From there, we go to a, um, I guess you'd call it a, for the ear people, it's easiest to explain. It's like a static counterbalance squat. So you're holding a weight plate out in front of you. And by static, I mean that that weight plate stays at full extension for the entire time. Now, this is a really- pushed out in front of you, like holding a steering wheel. Yeah. So the guys at home. Yep. So that's, this is where we start looking at, okay, so service the primary goal first and focus on improving functional, that kind of stuff, secondary. So if I, we actually did this um, on camera last week. So there'll probably be some videos coming out eventually. Um, and holding a 10 kilo plate out for a long period of time. Um, what do we have you do? Maybe eight reps? Yeah. Fuck me. It was so hard. Yeah. Jay started to actually. <laughs> it was like 10 kilos. Yeah. I was like, fuck, this is hard as. So yeah, Jason worked up a sweat, like felt like he was doing a working set of squats Yeah. with 10 kilos of load. Yeah. So um, it, was sub- it was subjectively really hard. Yeah. 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 So that's. Um, and I it stole that from Jordan, but I'm keeping it and claiming it as my own now, um, is, yeah, subjectively hard and objectively easy. So Jace is squatting. What did you squat during the week? 140? 150, mate. 150. Get on, give me that. Got to give me that 10. All right? Yeah, so <laughs> squatting all I can get at the moment. <laughs> 150 for Five. fives and then squatting 10 for eights and finding the 10 for eight difficult. Yeah. So um Susie Muffin top with five kilos out in front is going to find that subjectively difficult while we know it's objectively easy while we work through these issues of maybe like uh hip stability ankle mobility uh core control bracing whatever it is that we need to troubleshoot for their squat they're still getting a workout done during those squats we're not spending half an hour like just talking about how to brace like they're doing it, they're practicing it, you're queuing yeah. it, and they feel like they've done something throughout the workout. The next step from there is to go through um, a passive counterbalance squat. So we have the plate on the chest as you're sitting down. I like to, to cue it as that the weight plate is out in front for the entire bottom third. So as the bottom third going down, bottom third coming up, and then as you get into that middle third, it comes back in. By the time you get still all the way up, it's completely into your chest. And then as you drop, it slowly extends. By the yeah. time you get to that bottom third, so it's all the way extended. Again. As we're squatting down, we're pushing the weight out in front of us. Yep. And then as we stand up, we're dragging it back in. Correct. Just so simplified version of what Ben yeah. just said. Um, that should allow you then to increase the weight again. Um, yep. So you've... All the reps. Yeah. So you, yep. you're keeping the exercise... Uh, objectively difficult because you've either increased volume or weight um but you're starting to move slightly not a lot um but it's objectively more difficult because you should be able to do more work and there's more moving parts yeah so that's good and you're also yeah like jay said that the coordination factor of moving that through can be beneficial in other stuff as well um from there we went to a kettlebell or dumbbell front squat um, just like a, a typical goblet squat. Goblet a lot of yeah. people will skip straight to this. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I just really like the counterbalance squat for confidence in the hole. Teaches people to get t- deep. And the you would have noticed last week too, just the brace that's yeah, required. The, the pressure that you, you have to create um, just in that you know torso region. Yeah. Like it's a good place to learn how to do it. Yeah. You know? As yeah. soon as you punch that weight away, you have to. Yeah, you're engaged. If you don't, away. you'll fall over. Yeah. So it's like, what better way to teach that pressure yep. 
um, than a movement like that, which would carry over to the goblet because then you've got the skill of getting tight and you can lift an appropriate weight. Because if you don't develop that skill, you can't lift an appropriate weight in the goblet squat. Yeah. So then it becomes inefficient. Yeah. So there you go. Mic drop. Boom. I'm out. So, so I think only thing I can add to this conversation. <laughs> we actually went when we did the filming. I think we went pretty light. But like, say for a up front, like a goblet squat for you, uh, starting to pick up anything over like twenty five to thirty kilos, get it upside down, support it on your chest. It not be too big and bulky and annoying and in the way. Yeah, it's super uncomfortable. That's gonna be about your limit. Of I think that. most I've done is like thirty five. Yeah, but it was aw- it's awkward. Like yeah. The- to hang hold on to. the dumbbell it's so big so again we're looking at an exercise for the client that feels subjectively really difficult we've improved increased the objective difficulty by if you put a number on it um we've gone from what do we say we were doing 15 kilos for a yeah. um passive counterbalance. counterbalance squat so now we've gone up to be able to hold 25 maybe 30 so we've doubled the weight which is great um, and we're still performing a challenging exercise. Just remember that each step of the way, if you're not reaching depth, add the box until you get depth and then move on. Um, oh, now you're touching my feet. You're sitting on an angle. <laughs> I just I'm just trying to get I into the mic. I am too. You're moving. <laughs> so, yep. So we hit the goblet squat. Main cues there are just like elbows are extended. We're starting to train that like thoracic extension as well. Uh, well, thoracic control. Is probably a better way to term it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, th- the thoracic, the whole thoracic thing, right? Yes. So the cue of like driving your chest up and having like an overextended thoracic, mm. it really just hurts my feelings. Yeah. Push, push into your upper back. So if you, I feel that if you're thing. not, if you're not creating a good enough brace, then you should you would essentially be able to overextend your thoracic because yep. your abs aren't active enough to pull your rib cage back down into a neutral position. Yeah. So, so if you have an overextended rib cage, mm-hmm. like a thoracic, then that creates just as much pressure in the disc, yep. if not more, yep. than having a flexed lumbar, a so flexed spine. We get caught this chest, taught this chest up thing all the time. One of the most common things that I have when I do consults with people is like, oh, I get back pain. When do you get back pain? When I squat, show me your squat and you've just got the inverse banana from yeah, like lumbar chin, all the way up like to the thoracic. The roof. And it's like, okay, so all I want you to do is tuck your rib cage down um, when you squat and don't let it lift up. And within two weeks, it's like, oh, I can squat pain-free now. It's like, yeah. yeah. It was just, you were just loading a, a not very nice pattern. Yeah, I think um, even teaching... Like just a lot more awareness now just from like you making me more aware of it. It's yeah. just like not having like cause bodybuilder bro, flared mm. lats bro. Yeah. Um, like having my rib cage or trying to be in positions where I am pulling my rib cage yeah. like back down, even just like in a hanging position. Cause like I won't necessarily train that, but I have to consider it like even just when I'm warming up or yeah. even when I'm doing my mobility stuff. Yeah. During the weeks or whatever. Yeah. Like I just like, okay, I have to spend time getting there. Yeah. This makes the squat better. It makes me move better. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a whole episode coming up on that whole stuff too. So um, stay tuned for that. Class. Stop saying it now, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't throw shut, out good content. Shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, we're, we're in the goblet squat. So now we're limited by the amount of weight that we can hold in front of us. So the next step, um, and I have only discovered these probably this year and I love them is the front rack kettlebell squat. So the ability there is picking up, we use 24s for Jace in each arm. Um, Just because that's all they had, you know. Yeah, because he didn't want to pick up the 32s <laughs> that were sitting next to him. But anyway. <laughs> Certainly did not want to pick those up. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, what, 48 kilos. Um, it's, I don't know how I, can you explain succinctly how to set up that? Basically, you have the kettlebell rested on the floor. Yeah, well, resting the kettlebell is probably the hardest part. So it has to be on the outside of the wrist and tucked See, this is where you actually have to have the right type of kettlebells though because I've been in a gym, you know, where they don't have those yeah. massive so ones. Yeah, so you want full-size kettlebells. Yeah, so you want those standardized yeah. size kettlebells where every weight is the same in yeah. terms of size and the volume of the actual kettlebell is different. That's what if you want to see these guys and you're a visual person, there is me coaching them on my Instagram yeah. page. So big them. kettlebells, um, weights on the outside of the wrist and tucked in between like the forearm and the bicep. Yep. So they're kind of tucked in there. And then you're lifting the um, the elbows up to the line of the shoulder yep. and your hands are kind of meeting together. So I always like to like, click the um, the kettlebells together in the middle, just kind of have my hands like, it's kind of like I'm holding them together yep. just with my elbows elevated up. So it is very similar to like a proper barbell front squat. Yeah. Um, it's just the kettlebells are like nestled nicely in there. So yeah, it's just way less mobility demand. Way yeah, more, yeah, way yeah. more comfort. So you don't have to have like um, external rotation of the shoulder whilst maintaining like you know shoulder extension or glenohumeral extension. Yeah, uh, flexion. Sorry, and then having the arms like bent back, like the wrist extended. Yep. Such an uncomfortable position, um, and to meet the demands of that uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, and most people don't have to either. Like. That position is there if you wanted to like thrust up over the head. Mm. It's an ollie lifting position. Yeah. Um, again, we don't work with the demographic, so you don't have to move someone to a goalpost that they don't they need don't to move to. to. Yeah. Yeah. Address it elsewhere. Yeah. Where yeah. the kettlebell front squats matter. It's like front loaded, um, front loaded weight. Uh, ability to meet the positional um, requirements of the movement is actually, I think, quite easy. Quite easy. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, I haven't really come across someone who can't do it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just like getting comfortable with like holding the weights up, yep. kind of, you know, works on the strength of the upper back. Um, you can help, it can help facilitate better extension of the spine if that's a limitation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a really good crossover movement. Yeah. And same thing like that, that 48 kilos is still really hard. A hundred kilos off what Jace is doing for fives on a back squat um, and finding it really difficult. Yeah. Um, which is, what we want is again, it's that subjectively difficult, objectively easy exercise. It's giving the outcome that we want. You're still going to get hypertrophy from that. You're still going to get fat loss from that. You're still going to get performance yep. increase. You're still going to get all the functional gains that we want from it, all packaged up into one nice little bow at this point. Again, I, um, like to use it as an accessory exercise. And we always talk about it like mm-hmm. that, increasing that glass ceiling of like injury prevention. Yeah. And, and so if you go with a heavy, kettlebell um double kettlebell front squat and you are encouraging someone to slightly tip forward because the yeah. weight is in front it's like you're bulletproofing someone for when they tip forward with a barbell yeah because when we said it before like used to for a very long time i'd always get injured when i do like a shit rep yeah and it's just because i never trained to do a shit rep yeah um yeah so, you never increased the yeah scope yeah so my ability to buffer yeah. a bad rep was really low 
And it's because I never put myself in situations where don't, like you have to select weight selection is everything. So obviously the kettlebell is really, really light subjectively to the barbell, but the position reflects the weight and that yeah. I can get back out of it safely because of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really awesome accessory exercise on top of if like, it can be a foundational move for someone, yeah. but it can also be a really valuable accessory. Yeah. So the limiting factors for the counterbalance squat, both passive and static um, and this front rack is like going to be how much weight you can hang on to. Yeah. Once you've gotten to a point where my lower body um, et cetera can take more load than this, um, then it's time to probably move on to the next evolution. Yeah. Uh, something that I am liking at the moment is you should be able to front rack kettlebell squat at least 40, 50% of your body weight to earn getting under the bar. Um, once you've achieved that, so um, this is where I kind of, based on what I see in health clubs, I go in a different direction to Jordan in that he likes to go to a barbell front squat at this stage. Um, I feel like it's a more complicated, more demanding squat than doing a back squat based on your anthropometric profile and what's the easiest position for you. I tend to find it based on all the things you just said earlier about getting into that front rack position with a barbell. Yeah. That being getting a bar on your back is actually easier um, from a mobility standpoint. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, well, I think just using myself as an example, which is, you know, kind of good and bad. Yeah. Um, but I back squat really well and i do struggle to front squat just it is i just feel it's subjectively harder yeah you know having the bar in front of you trying to keep it locked in yeah seems like there's more moving parts like the bar on your back is just locked in yeah like the 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 likelihood of that bar moving is very slim yeah so and it's like we've talked about this whole whole way through like subjectively harder is good because it's objectively easier because it's less weight same applies to the front squat, but I think the risk to reward is actually higher on a front squat than it is on a back squat. Like there's more shit that can go wrong. Um, yeah. And it's, it's I don't know, I just don't find it to be one, 90% of my clientele fucking hate them because they're uncomfortable. Bar hurts, either hurts their shoulders if you're doing like a bro rack. Um, yeah. Lands on their throat. Like everything's like... Is the bro rack like this one? Yeah. So hands over top of the bar instead of what? fingers underneath. Yeah, okay. I just want to very scientific. How did, how, did get, how did that name come about? Uh, I think I think I can actually claim that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So why would you call it a bro rack? Just out of curiosity. Because <laughs> uh, I think someone, when I was doing coaching with Jordan, he was like, oh, I do it like a bro okay. and hold it here. And I was like, okay. And then I just started calling it a bro rack. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I remember saying it to Crozier. He's like, the fuck is that? Yeah, right. <laughs> to like send him a okay. photo. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So moving on That's to hilarious. the back squats. <laughs> There's again playing with like listening to the guys that are dealing with people that already lift is a different discussion than dealing with this person that we've developed all the way through this process. This process might have taken one program, might have taken six programs. It doesn't really matter. Um, could take two years. Like you're just chipping away because you st should still be achieving 
those primary goals along the way anyway, regardless of whether they're under the bar or not. Um, you've got other areas to take care of that shit. So we're, we like to use strength standards of um, beginner, then into novice. So the novice strength standard for a female is um, 80% of body weight or like body weight times 0.8. Um, for a male, it's body weight times one. So 100% of body Fair weight. Their body weight, yeah. So that is your novice standard of a squat. So you should be able to really do that based on if you can do a 50% kettlebell front rack squat with three, four weeks max of skill acquisition, a bar on your back, you should be able to move those weights. Now, my recommendation in that strength setting, if you're a novice, you probably shouldn't be doing 1RM testing yet. You would be establishing your 1RM just based off a calculator. Yes, they're not perfectly accurate, but they're close enough to tell you if you're in that zone or not. Concur? I agree. Sweet. So now we want to move into... And, and I want to be really clear with this is squatting for a novice isn't the same as squatting for an intermediate. So squatting for a novice, I like to use the squat that suits the client the best. So basically what we did for the filming last week for, um, for the academy stuff was like, have you do a bodyweight squat, find out where the midfoot was and put the bar on your shoulders in line with it. Yep. So everything was done correctly, brace, all that type of stuff. All the cues were there. Cool. I just basically made a physical touch on your back. Put the bar here when you get underneath it. So between novice, so that for for the ladies, it's 0.8 um, up to 1.25. That's how I would have them squatting. It's just based on the best way they set up. They're not necessarily... Um, so why this is so important is like, that's going to give them the safer squat as they start learning the skill, progress them the fastest, keep them comfortable. Once you get into an intermediate phase, you start playing with like males are 1.5 times body weight, females 1.25. So you're starting to play with reasonable amounts of load. And then you're going to start having to have programming considerations of, if you're naturally built for the low bar squat, um, and this I actually fell victim to this myself um, before I really considered this shit. It's just like I learned how to low bar and it fit my femurs well, way better. So I just low barred all the time. Yeah. Then I got good at it and I got started creeping up to double body weight. All of a sudden, I couldn't deadlift or I had to kind of like every time I deadlift the next day, my back would be sore. Or I'd squat and my back would be sore. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I've never, my form's still good. I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. It was just like the loads were can't getting cover. to the point where I can't sustain yeah. a low bar squat and high deadlift, either frequency or volume in the same week. So it's like, okay, it makes more sense for me now to go back to a high bar because I've improved my functionality over that point, over that time to allow myself to get there. Maybe it's a safety squat bar, Whatever, we're not going to go into intermediates in detail today, but they're the considerations that come yeah. in later. So if you're sitting at home going, yeah, but what if? It's like, yeah, I get it. These people aren't strong enough for that to matter yet. Yep. So um, we've talked about how we establish the bar position. So typically speaking, um, more compact 
or well-balanced, I guess, uh, humans will prefer typically a low bar position or may, uh, sorry, a high bar position, or maybe they could do eth either like shorter femurs tend to fall into the high bar and then longer tend to fall, fall into the low bar. The other consideration is obviously going to be, can they actually get the bar into that position? Do they have the thoracic extension? Do they have wrist mobility, um, shoulder mobility and stuff to actually get there? Do you anything to add on that? Nah. Not happening. Yeah, like I, I just, I'll just squat with the client in the most comfortable position, ninety percent of cases. Because yeah. I'm only, only that ten percent. I'll be working with powerlifters, and it's like this is a consideration. So yeah, for most people, I'll just get them as strong as possible in that position that's comfortable, and then design a program that fills the gaps around it. Correct. Especially if their body composition based, or if like for my bodybuilders, um, if they low bar for um structural or anthropometric um reasons, reasons yeah uh then i'll do something like a hack squat yeah because their feet are forward and they get lots of flexion of the knee so yeah, yeah i agree with all of it yeah so start just depends on the client yeah so again we're coming back to okay so what's the primary goal you want big quads um or you got to get you got to squat to get big quads bro it's like well if you're low you're barring you're not <laughs> um you're not. see <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah your upper quads huge yeah the lot like where the knee <laughs> looks like you don't do legs at all yeah i was talking to a guy long, long shorts <laughs> talking to a guy yesterday about he was like oh we're similar size like what size knee um sleeves did you get i'm like dude i'm 12 years old from the knee down you, you're bigger than me don't yeah. get the same size knee sleeves as me um anyway so yeah if you want to get big quads and you're assuming that your squat's going to give it to you. It's not, if it's a low bar, it's not enough knee flexion, it's not enough loading the quad, shift that energy somewhere else. Yeah. And you could almost like, um, almost within the same program, just manipulate the executions. So it's like a split squat. Maybe you're doing them. If you got someone who's doing a high bar, then you want to introduce hip hinges in a split squat later on in the, in the session. Yeah. If you've got someone who's doing low bar, then you actually want forward knee drive. Yeah. Um, so start playing with how you're executing the movements within your sessions based yeah. on these prime lifters that typically are going to be at the start of your session. Like it. So that should give you the framework to build a client from day one all the way up to intermediate, provided you're coaching them, troubleshooting them, um, the troubleshooting stuff, like we can sit here and do a five hour episode on it. Um, or you could join the Academy and we do it in there or just like watch shit and go and find it yourself. It's time consuming. Once you learn it, once you address like, okay, this client is this symptoms happening, I'll go find it. I'll read, make sure you read three, four different opinions, not just one. Um, yep. cool. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. That worked. Cool. Let's use that. And then just refer back to that in the future. Yep. So yeah, you guys should all have the tools now to be able to have your clients squatting to full depth, which is means what, Jason? So the hip and knee are parallel or below. Yes. With an elevation in the torso. Yes. Um, and then you should be able to develop them all the way up to an intermediate lifter. Just have a think about like... Um, as much as like squatting is not Im important, if you're having clients that want to get in shape and be strong, 
what percentage. And even if they just want to get in shape, strength is a great way to do that. Mm. And if you're progressively overloading your training, which you should be to achieve body compositional goals, then they should be getting stronger. So what percentage of your clientele are actually getting to this novice intermediate stage of lifting? Are you putting people under bars that aren't at a novice level yet? Are you um, celebrating short squats? Are you loading up shit you shouldn't be? Just be really reflective on what you're doing. Um, Cause I, I am like, once we start using, started using these like strength profiles, it's like, uh, I could probably push that client under a bar. We've done it before. They didn't get hurt. It's like, it's, there's no, like people that have got up into the novice range before, gone off training for a bit and come back. It's like, no, you need to start back. Yeah, now. Build, build back up again. Yeah, like I know Go you know how process. to get under a bar, but yeah. let's not yet. There's no need. Yeah, I think you just need to appreciate that motor patterns break down too, um, even with people that do them all the time. Yeah. So it's just understanding that um, revisiting the foundational components to the movement should always be done. Like, mm. you know, like after s- Sunday, when the guys um, test their 1RMs and stuff, yeah, it's like the following week they'll deload and we'll go back to, you know, basic squat patterns and, yeah, you know, just take it easy and recover, but still make sure that we haven't forgotten how to move and stuff. And then yeah. we just... Most li- most likely fix all the dysfunctions we created in the peak program. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We'll see what <laughs> manifested. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, I think you just just a greater understanding of all the moving parts and yeah, how they cross over and you know just never being never working in absolutes. I think is one thing to be really. Um, well, it's a really important thing to adopt. I feel. Yeah, I don't th- feel like you've got it all figured out either. No, like we no, certainly not. We don't claim to. Like this is the fourth iteration of our yeah, it's the like squat version, education yeah. module as such. So, um, and each time it gets better, each time it gets stuff gets put in, stuff gets taken away, stuff gets mm-hmm. shifted around. Um, so just as a personal trainer, you need to be so open to self-reflection of like, are you actually doing this right? And then that I find the hardest part is to be able to say, I fucked it up but it doesn't yeah. mean like I'm a shit trainer or everything about it was wrong. It's just yeah. like, no, that thing didn't work. Yeah. That's okay. Don't make the same mistake again. Yeah. I um gave a client a bit of feedback on the bench press and they were like, oh, have I been doing this the whole time? And I said, I don't know. And I said, I haven't been paying attention to it. Yeah. And I said, if I, if it's not brought to my attention, then I don't know what's happening. Yeah. So something really easy. I was just like, so now I know more about it. So I'm looking at more things. Yeah. And I, that didn't get met with, oh my God, I can't believe we've been doing it like this for <laughs> yeah. that long. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, it was like, oh, well, that's really cool because that felt really good. Yeah. You know, so just giving you, because there's always this like fear of like making adjustments and then people think that like you're not, competent enough in your job and it's actually they can just see an evolution in your skill set and an evolution in your ability to coach them um they're going to appreciate that a lot yeah and again it's like the primary outcome stuff is bread and butter most of the time so you should still be getting them the primary outcome it's just like over time you're increasing your service to the client which Mm, is going to keep them wanting to stay so it makes makes no sense that someone's going to get offended that you didn't know something before that you've now taught them. Yep. All right. I feel like that's been a long ass episode. 
Yeah. Um, so if you are, I think this will come out Sunday. Um, if you're on your morning cardio walk, we're probably about to start the bench press at the liftoff. Yeah. Um, we kicked off, kicking off at 9.30 and we'll probably roll through. I reckon 14 lifters, maybe one, two o'clock. Yep. Um, we're out in Thomastown. It'll be all over our Instagram page as well. So if you do want to check it out, um also yeah have a look at the instagram and the facebook page we'll have the charity up there um if you can't make it we are running this whole event for charity so stc Mm. fit hire the venue um get the food do all that kind of stuff and then any ticket purchased um including the donation tickets every cent of that will go to um a family that are struggling a bit with their little one um if you want to read about it just have a look on the the Eventbrite page, um, very rare disorder that we we want to raise some money for. So anyone that can chip in and help out would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Um, all and the links are all over the For everyone who has pages up to now as well, um, we thank you for the generosity. Yeah, definitely. Support. Yep. Um, so as always, if you liked the episode, you got something out of it, mm. hit the screenshot button on the Instagram, tagging. Jason Gleaf is e-coach. Ben Scott SC um, and STC fit underscore learning. Um, and we'll share it around. Hopefully we can get it out to a few more people. Yep. Right. Thanks for next time. Ciao. Bye.